Welcome to Exhale Bible Discovery. Each week, we'll take a deep dive into the Bible, going line by line and chapter by chapter to discover the truths that God has for us in His Word. We are on lesson number eight now in Revelation chapter five of Exhale Bible Discovery. Hi, I'm Dr. Paula McDonald, and I'm so excited to bring this lesson to you. What a beautiful glimpse into the throne room of heaven in the last chapter. Today, we remain in this beautiful place as we are honored to witness the scroll and the new songs that are introduced to us. These events confirm the majesty and the incredible worship that we will enjoy in heaven. So I've divided this lesson into two main divisions, the scroll, Revelation 5, 1 through 8, and then the song, Revelation 9 through 14. So here we go, you guys. As always, God reveals so much and his book and his words are perfect. So chapter 5 continues where chapter 4 left off in the throne room. We're still in the throne room. And verse 1 begins telling us, Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. Well, God is the one who's in command with the scroll that contains important information for his people. The right hand indicates power, truth, justice, and complete authority. And the writing on both sides is important as it is pointing to God's complete word. Scrolls of those time were written on papyrus, usually only written on one side. And this was for practical reasons, as the ink would need to dry fully and would often bleed through to the other side. And perhaps the mention of both sides on this document was that it was not created by human hands. This shows a very special document that is distinguished from all others. But in Exodus 32:15, we saw Moses receive the Ten Commandments that were also written on both sides of the stone tablets. And we know that these tablets contained the important laws of God that man needs to abide by. And again, a complete document of God's complete law and instruction manual for us. And the scroll now shows the complete unveiling of God's wrath for those who choose to go against God and His laws. Well, next, the scroll is sealed with not one, but seven seals. The sealing of documents in those days was very important to show the authority and authenticity of whose insignia was on that seal. And as we've seen in Revelation, the number seven represents completeness. The seven seals point to the actual seven seals or warnings that we will begin reading about in chapter 6. And therefore, the scroll itself had seven literal seals on the scroll to represent each of these important warnings. A good question is, where did this scroll come from? And obviously, heaven is unlike any place we can imagine, so it makes sense that there are things we haven't seen before. This scroll, however, is a sealed document 
that could be referring to the scroll Daniel received in chapter 12. So let's go a bit deeper into this chapter of Daniel. And it begins by saying the archangel Michael would arise at a time of great distress. Those whose names were found in the book of life would be delivered. Verse 2 is interesting in that the text says, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. And clearly, this is pointing to a time when many people are living in the filth or the dust of this world. Let's go back to Genesis 3.14. Upon the belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Samuel 1.2. He raises up the poor out of the dust. Psalm 22.15. My strength is dried up like potsherd, and my tongue cleaves to my jaws, and has brought me into the dust of death. Isaiah 52.2. Shake thyself from the dust. And then in Matthew 10, 14, And whoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when you leave out of that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. So the dust in the Bible is really not a preferred place to be. And this verse in Daniel shows us how filthy we are without Christ. And in the end times, Daniel says, The multitudes who sleep in the dust. And the use of the word multitudes shows us the number of those who are asleep in Christ. Y'all, this is in the millions of people. And sleeping refers to those who just truly don't care. They don't care one way or another. They're just asleep. And they don't believe that these topics of heaven or hell, God or Jesus, have any importance to them. So the second part of this verse mentions everlasting life. And it's interesting that this is the only place in the Old Testament that uses this term. Daniel's vision of the end times references what Jesus brings to his believers, and that is eternal life with him. But those who refuse Christ will receive everlasting hell. And so this was definitely foretold about Christ back to Daniel many, 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 many millennia before Christ. Daniel tells us, those of us who are wise, meaning those who have accepted and follow Christ, we will shine like the brightness of heaven. He also brings glory to those who lead many to righteousness. Therefore, you guys, it is imperative for us as believers to remain wise by knowing God's word and to be active in his kingdom, which means we've got to tell others about him. And Daniel 12, 4 continues, But you, Daniel, close up and seal the words of the scroll until the end of time. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. And here we find a reference to a scroll that is being ordered to be closed up and sealed until the end times. And so many scholars believe this is the scroll that's mentioned here in Revelation 5. The end of the above scripture says that many will go here and there to increase knowledge. This refers to people who are choosing to find their own knowledge outside of God's word. And we are certainly finding this to be true today. Many, many people claim 
that their truth is their truth, and therefore no one should tell them what to do or what to believe. During the end times, people will seek their own wisdom to justify their sinful choices. And boy, are we right there right now. And then a few verses later in Daniel 12, 9, the warning to close up the scroll is reiterated. As verse 10 says, many will be purified, make spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand. Those who are wise will understand. Believers are purified and made spotless in Christ. And day by day, we continue to be refined in the spirit. But sadly, the wicked, and you guys, this is not just wicked mean people. Wicked here refers to those who are without Christ. They are in opposition of him. So they are wicked and that they will remain in their ways. And additionally, they will be blinded to the truth and have no understanding of it. Let's go back to verses two through four in Revelation. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look inside. And this is an important turning point because it speaks to the importance of the contents of this scroll and the meaning that it has for mankind. The mighty angel asked, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? And the reason this is so critical is because this message contained within brings the message of eternal hell and damnation. Even this angel understands that he is not worthy to open the message. And this message was so overwhelming to John and this realization that no one was worthy to open it, that he wept. His heart was broken for his fellow humans as he recognizes the dire situation and how many are truly lost. We have seen this brokenness from fellow mankind elsewhere in the Bible. We saw Moses interceding to God over his beloved Israel. Paul cries out to the Lord in Philippians 18, 21, for as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Those of us who truly comprehend the magnitude of what will happen to those who do not turn to Christ should drive us to our knees. Then in verse five, then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And one of the elders came and aided John as he saw John weeping. And he directed him to see the one who is worthy. Jesus Christ. The reference to the lion of the tribe of Judah comes from scripture that we find way back in Genesis 49, 9 through 10. Judah, a lion's whelp, from the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down. He lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who shall rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from his feet. Until Shiloh comes, and to him the obedience of the people. A very clear 
reference to the coming Lion of Judah, which is Jesus. The root of David from Isaiah 11.10 says, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, who shall stand as a banner to the people. For the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. John is shown that Jesus is a strong lion who has triumphed. And as verse 6 unfolds, the lion is also shown as a slain lamb. Verse 6, Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. So here in the center of the throne of our God is our Lord and Savior, Christ. The description may appear to be strange, but remember, symbolism is completely found throughout this book. We know the slain land is clearly Jesus Christ. The words, as if it had been slain, shows that the scars are still there on our Lord Jesus Christ. But the lamb has been victorious over death. And he represents the Lion of Judah, but he willingly allowed himself to be the sacrificial lamb for mankind. So although Jesus is the sacrificial lamb here in the throne room, he is being seen in his true form, which is far from being weak, but encompassing all power and knowledge. And those seven horns, they represent his complete strength. The seven eyes represent his complete and all-seeing knowledge, wisdom, and vision. And this shows the omnipotence, which is all power, and the omniscience, all-seeing Lord, our Christ. Only Christ is the worthy Lamb, who is capable of bringing this message in these scrolls for all of us. He alone is worthy because of what he accomplished on that cross. And the seven spirits are gifts that we are given because of this sacrifice on the cross. So in verse 7, he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. So only Jesus, he is the only one worthy to take the scroll from God. And there is victory in this message. God holds the message and Jesus is the only one who can bring this message to us. In verse 8, when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. This dramatic event portrays the intensity of the moment. Jesus's taking of the scroll signifies the magnitude of what is unfolding. And it's so significant that those witnessing this event, they just immediately fall down into worship mode. And so here are the two main acts of worship being shown. One is praise. So the harp represents worship through musical praise and sounds of praise are mentioned throughout the Bible. And specifically, Psalm 33, 2 says, praise the Lord with the harp. Prayer, that's the second main act of worship. And the golden bowls of incense represent the altar of incense before God in his temple. In Exodus 30, there's a great deal of information regarding this practice. Burning of incense represents the prayers of the people being lifted to God. 
Psalm 141.2 says, Let my prayer be set before you as incense. What a beautiful picture of true worship to our King and all of heaven encircles Him. Beautiful music, complete devotion, the aroma of prayers being lifted up. So chapter 5 opens with the focus on Jesus. He is in the middle of of the throne room and all the activity is around him. What a perfect reminder of how he should be in the center of our lives and how he is worthy of all of our devotion, our praise, and our prayers. So the truth bomb for this section, Jesus is the center of heaven and he should be the center of each of our lives. And so your call to action, how is Jesus the center of your life? And is this evident to those around you? All right, moving into the second part, the songs. These are verses 5, 9 through 14. So after this beautiful description of worship, the last half of this chapter is all about the songs that are sung in heaven. And there's three of them. Verse 9 begins, And they sang a new song. And a new song then would represent that this is a new message of Christ. Christ brought a new way to mankind regarding direct access to God. He brought us salvation from sin and an entrance into heaven. Song number one, verses nine through 10. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language people, and nation. You've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. There is a lot packed into this first song. It declares that Jesus is the worthy one because of the sacrifice that he willingly made. And because of this sacrifice, all people who call upon him will be saved. Not only are we saved, but we're also his kingdom. And we are his priests to serve him. And we will reign on this earth. When you break this down, though, the first song really is a complete picture of redemption. And redemption is the work that Christ did on the cross to save us from our sins. His blood redeemed us. So let's look at it. He says, for you were slain. So this is the price of redemption. Have redeemed us. The work of redemption, have redeemed us to God, which is the destination of redemption. By your blood, the payment of redemption. Every tribe and tongue and people and nation, the scope of redemption, have made us kings and priests to serve our God, the honor of redemption. And then finally, and we shall reign on this earth. And this is the result and responsibility of redemption. You guys, there was price, work, destination, payment, scope, honor, and results and responsibility that come along with redemption. It was not free. So the significance of these last two verses of the song is that you and I are members of a royal priesthood. Do you understand the significance of this? We are not just mere people, you guys. We are infused with the royal blood of Christ. While on this earth, we, each of us, has a priestly duty to perform. I wanted to go back and look at the Old Testament. What were some of the priestly duties that we find? We are to be set apart. Exodus 28. We are ordained to offer sacrifices. 
Exodus 29, 38-42, to teach the law, Leviticus 10, 11, to heal, Leviticus 13, 2-3, and to keep the tabernacle, Numbers 3, 38. So how does this relate to us today? We are to be set apart for Christ. John 15, 18 through 19, one of my favorite verses, especially now. If the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. Secondly, as members of the priesthood of Christ, we find in 1 Peter 2, 5, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Three, we are commanded to teach the law, as in Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then as healers, Matthew 10, 8 says, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, and freely you are to give. That's one that I don't think we really understand the magnitude of what we have available to us. And then five, we are to keep the tabernacle, which is the dwelling place of God. And as believers, we have a responsibility to care for our own tabernacle because we're made in God's image and our bodies are a temple. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple or a tabernacle of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. What a beautiful song reminding us of redemption of Christ and of our responsibilities as Christians. We don't just get to float along and enjoy the fruits of being a Christian. We have responsibility. We are part of this priesthood. So we've got to get busy, you guys. Verses 11 through 12. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders And in a loud voice, they were saying, and this goes into the second song. But first, I want to talk about John's reference of the multitude of angels. And can you even imagine the sound of tens of thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of angels worshiping together? What a picture of perfect worship and praise. So song two says, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. This second song is for Jesus proclaiming he is the worthy lamb and that because of his sacrifice on that cross, he has all power, wealth, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and praise. That's seven accolades. Wow. And we know that means perfection and completion. So let's look at each one of them. Power, that means his omnipotence. Wealth, everything in heaven and earth belong to him. Wisdom, this is his omniscience, which provides him with all knowledge. Strength, nothing can overpower Christ. Honor, only Jesus is worthy of all honor. Glory, he is the glorification that we will experience in heaven. And praise, 
He alone is worthy of all praise and worship. All right, verse 13. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, song number three, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Now the praises encompass everything in heaven and on earth. All of creation rejoices and worships almighty Jesus, the King. Did you know that plants even emit sounds, acoustic emissions between 10 to 240 megahertz? And there's a study called bioacoustics that is actually measuring and studying the sounds that come from plants. And a question many people ask is if animals worship God. Animals were created by the Creator, and therefore, I believe that they do worship God at some level. The Bible is filled with references to animals, and they are present during many important events. Animals were present at the birth of Jesus. Jesus rode in during his triumphal entry on a donkey. Verse 13 clearly states that every creature in heaven and earth, and therefore I believe this literally means every one of them, and I believe that we will enjoy our animals in heaven as well. So chapter 5 set the stage for heavenly worship of our Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 19.1 reminds us, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. So prior to these seals that are going to be open and revealed, John is shown the glorious worship in the throne room. The stage is set as the Lamb will now carry out his plan of redemption and judgment to the world. And this celebration in heaven, it's given to us to remind us that we have this to look forward to. As believers, We are secure in this promise, and we have nothing to fear as the seals reveal the fate of those who have chosen to deny Christ. So the truth bomb is, Jesus is worthy of all praises from heaven and earth. And your call to action, how are you showing the King of Kings that He is worthy of all praise in your own life. Just to summarize, we have not only received a glimpse of the throne room, but we've also received a beautiful worship service to our King Jesus. And this chapter reminds us of what an honor and a privilege it is that we are given this front row seat to the most marvelous of all worship ceremonies. So my 10 word subject sentence for the whole chapter is, Christ is the worthy King of all honor and praise. Thank you. I hope you're enjoying this Bible study and that you're just digging in and getting closer to Him day by day. Blessings to you all. Be sure to visit my website, drpaulamcdonald.com. Click on podcast and then exhale Bible discovery for self-study guides and resources to support you with each episode.